Welcome to the Filament Games Podcast, a show dedicated to game-based learning. Here are your hosts, Brandon Pitzer and Dan Norton. Which one's which? Does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> it matters to me. <laughs> Eventually we'll fuse yeah. <laughs> and, and become one yeah. hydra of game-based learning knowledge. Hello, everybody. Miscellaneous things first. Mm-hmm. That's what I've got in my document here. And then VR. Nice. Is this... Have we told you anything about what we're talking about today, Dan Norton? I, I knew we were talking about VR. Okay. I was not briefed about miscellaneous, though. <laughs> so I do have one other thing as a uh, a sneak peek, uh, a teaser. Yeah. I don't know how far out. I haven't scheduled it yet, but mm-hmm. I was talking to uh, UW-Madison professor Rich Halverson yesterday, yes. mm-hmm. and uh, he would be delighted to come onto the podcast and oh. teach us. About the basketballs. <laughs> that would be amazing. Because he knows a ton about basketball. <laughs> That's uh, amazing. And he's, I guess also he does learning science stuff. So, yeah. But yeah. Uh, all the questions about jersey tucking, <laughs> the actual quantity of rules, all the all the hot topics that we've that we've whipped into. Uh, the exact specifications yeah. of a sick, nasty dunk. Yes, how sick and or nasty can a dunk be? Rich Halverson knows. <laughs> And, uh, oh, excellent. Yeah, I can't wait to have him on. Yeah, and you know, another sneak peek where we are planning on having the other half of the Filament Dan's on the podcast ah, by the end of this month. All right. And I expect I expect anecdotes then as well. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that will be lovely. Um, what are you playing these days? Diablo, man. Yeah. Just oh. on that grind. Just uh, looking for those oranges. I'm in this amusing spot. I'm one magical ring away from like octuplying how what's the word if you want it you double you triple quadruple <laughs> quintuple Qu- octuple Oct- you want it you're gonna eight if i something i'm gonna eight motize my damage eight. all right i'll do eight times as so much damage as i currently do if i could find this one ring i like octuply octuply yeah yeah we're gonna go with that that sounds like really resilient toilet paper <laughs> It does. <laughs> oh, that's the diesel grade. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you uh, saw a package of diesel grade toilet paper in the grocery store, <laughs> would you buy that toilet paper? Uh, I might. I, yeah. I might. Presumably. I mean, let's just veer away from this yeah. swiftly. You know, I, actually, I'm interested. Do you, I will sometimes make decisions to buy things at the level of like, I support the marketing that went behind this thing. Oh, yeah. That's how I buy wine. Yeah, right? Like, how amusing is this label? Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. smart. Because Vintner's Reserve means nothing to me. Yep. I know I know nothing about the years or anything. So. Yeah. There's uh, Ravenswood. Yeah. And it's like these three ravens with their legs interlocked into like the circular design that, man, I, was, I should just get it like tattooed on my chest. I think it's like the coolest logo of all time. There's a a beer that i would buy just because ralph steadman did the art on the label hmm. um and he's so he's the guy that does like all of hunter s thompson's covers oh like sure that really okay. kind of apocalyptic <laughs> fright, yeah, yeah. frightening illustration mm-hmm. style yeah all right well what i'm playing mm-hmm. is cave story ah have yes you, have you played that game i have not it's really great how many caves are in it uh well technically there's two there's, All right. there's first cave and final cave. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, but yeah, it was that's a, one more than the minimum. So uh, right. that, that's good. Ex- <laughs> yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think you know what's cool about Cave Story um, 
is, as far as I know, it was uh, just made by this one guy uh, who goes by Pixel. Um, I don't know how to, It's I think it's Daisuke Amaya, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, but yeah, he's just like the auteur, and he made it entirely. He's made this game. Yeah, by himself. It's it's a Metroid-like, mm-hmm. and it's, it's because it's an indie game, it's kind of brief in scope. It does, you know, like six to eight hours probably of playtime, but there are multiple endings that are kind of fun and mm. encourage the replayability. So I'm on playthrough two right now, trying to get the best ending. Nice. Yeah, I already achieved the bad ending and the normal ending. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, I think I always feel like that's a... It's a special hallmark of quality for a game when you decide to replay simply to get a, another version of the ending. Oh, yeah. Well, and it, he did it very creatively in that to get to the other endings, your play style and your approach to the game has to kind of fundamentally change. Oh, very cool. You have to kind of forego certain power-ups mm-hmm. at certain points in the game, mm-hmm. which makes the challenges after those power-ups would have been acquired, like, infinitely more difficult. Interesting. So it's kind of, there's, like, a hard mode, like, baked into just the level design. Which that's is super that's pretty brilliant. Yeah, it's a very clever game. It's, it's very impressive. So, virtual reality. VR. Yeah, yeah, VR. So, what do you like about VR? What do you dislike about VR? What do you, what do you think about VR as a platform for, for games, and perhaps even more specifically, game-based learning? Well, one of the most important things about VR is that you got to go try it. Step one. I think there's lots of things you can say to intellectualize or strategize how it's going to how it's going to hit the market and how is it going to grow and is it going to transform media and which ways but all that kind of is not so relevant until you really try it like you slap Mm. on one of those things and you get step inside a game world and you're doing things that used to be trapped behind a pane of glass uh and now you're inside this space it really is transformative. It really does change the experience. I mean, you know that old story of like when they when they started making movies, right? Everything was like set up like a, a stage set. You know, it, it took all, quite some time to actually start using the advantages of cinema to make movies movie-like. I think it's similar for VR. It's like we need to have an established place where VR is consumed as a normal type of media Mm. so you can get the right collection of brilliant creative people to like ruminate and figure out how to like really use its advantages so kind of the creative paradigms have yet to be established yeah right now we're drawing on the existing paradigms exactly which are obviously going to underserve a platform that's completely innovative yep like VR lots of different versions of VR have happened over the last you know decades absolutely Um, and the big focus on VR coming out now at this point are obviously the Rift and Valve with the HTC Vive. And there's a, there's a rack of pro-consumer level, very high-quality VR headsets coming out that, have, yep. uh, that are, are hoping to not be a passing fad and are hoping to not be uh, a peripheral that comes and goes. 
right? Uh, but are are hoping to be the next transformative step for for actual interactive media and and games, of course, being in there. The metaphor that I usually draw on for that is it could go, you know, one of two directions. It could be tablets, mm-hmm. so it could be this new thing that then becomes explosively popular, mm-hmm. uh, or it could be like three D TVs. Right. Which have which there was a moment where it looked like they might be popular, but mm-hmm. that moment is past, yep. and they have now settled into a rather small niche um, that that is not a mainstream consumer stream at all. Yep. So yeah, we'll see how that works. I mean, there are there's a lot of stats out there um, in terms of what financial investors are thinking and mm-hmm. predicting mm-hmm. around it. Um, we have a a little data bite here from markets and markets which uh is a a research firm it's two guys yeah mark <laughs> yes it's just two guys you ran on the way into work i, I think that's those old muppets yeah like the <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah I, I i you know it's always a risk to bring those up because i draw comparisons i was um, gonna say like <laughs> if there's any two people at filament that are most like statler and waldorf we're probably it's those us. two people yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyways, uh, the so the market is expected to grow uh, to four hundred and seven point five million and reach more than twenty five million users by twenty eighteen. Wow! Now I don't know what kind of algorithms are applied to those prognostications. Yeah, uh, but the evidence is definitely there that the investor community sees big things coming for virtual reality. And just to confirm, Marcus and Marcus agree on this? It's actually Marquettes and Marquettes. Marquettes? Like, like, like you know, like a business market. Like a dancing like a team? No, <laughs> no Marquettes. Mark- and then Mark- uh, All right, I'm sorry. Yeah, so, you know, I think for me, I was waiting to see how the Oculus would be priced mm-hmm. when it came out because I think the Oculus probably represents the... I don't know, to use a, a dated car metaphor, the Cadillac sure. of, of the virtual reality headsets that are coming out. Was it 400 or It actually 500? came out at 600 I think. Oh, good. Wow. Yeah. In my head, I, was, I, was, I remembered it was $100 more than I wanted to pay, uh-huh. but I accidentally just revealed to myself that I wanted to pay <laughs> something like $300. <laughs> yeah. 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 The 400 I think, was the predicted price point, and I think actually that expectation was set by at some point like on the kickstarter forum mm-hmm. before the facebook buyout right. someone on the the original you know core oculus team had yeah. made some kind of prediction that it would be around 400 as a price point right but that also leaves aside the fact that you need a tremendously strong rig yes. to plug the oculus into yep you need so, what would be i believe i looked it up about a 400 dollar video card yep contemporary yep. 400 dollar like which is tippy top exactly yeah it's i mean when i was doing uh, what like looking at the the racks the the requirements and then uh sizing that up against what it would take to like just build that rig from scratch mm-hmm. you're probably looking at like fifteen hundred dollars on the on the machine itself yep so if you're starting from scratch yeah. the oculus is about a twenty one hundred dollar investment yep which of course um obliterates the viability for the classroom Mm-hmm. Um, at, at, in anything more than just a single machine per school type right. of outlay, I just can't imagine like filling a lab <laughs> right. with with Oculus Rifts and the machines required to run them. There actually is something 
fairly dystopian to imagine a classroom of 30 children seated in their chairs yeah with slack jawed slack jawed <laughs> with these black cowls covering their face that is a little bit of a weird image to think about it is um, no you're right um, i've actually thought about that myself at home it's like it's one thing to zone out in front of a computer screen but yeah. to be like oh for sure to have the actual mask covering your face is kind of like another level of isolation yeah, no, I've I've felt that way just using like I have a, one of the Google Cardboard headsets. Mm-hmm. And you can just put your phone in there, and I have you know done like there's very limited content right mm-hmm. now available on iOS for for the the cardboard because it was you know because it's a Google product, mm-hmm. it was Android first. Mm-hmm. Um, but the you do get that feeling after you take the headset off where you you just have this moment where you're like, wow, I I looked like a fool for the last fifteen yeah, yeah, minutes yeah. or so, <laughs> like just spinning around in a chair by myself yeah. with a box on my face. I think, I think one of the cool and interesting things about VR is that it gets so much of what a person does when they're just walking around as a person with a brain, right? You can now look, you can move your head mm-hmm. and now see things all around you. And that's so much of what the sensory input we look to to confirm that we're in a reality. So it's this tremendous chunk of it, but it actually sort of reemphasizes some of the things that you don't have. Like you don't have the ability to walk with your legs. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the most successful, I think, VR games are going to start out with games where you just happen to be seated. Yeah, right. right. Like, so Starship piloting games makes perfect sense. Yeah, um, on, on rails type yeah, of content for sure. Right. Games where you don't have to fight your intuition of like, hey, well, I can see everywhere, but why can't I walk? Right. And then obviously you want to be able to do things with your hands, mm-hmm. right? That's what hands are for. Uh, yeah. And so if you're trying to have this most immediate realist, real experience, but you're still twiddling your fingers into the ether of a mouse and keyboard Mm -hmm. that's not represented inside the game it's kind of a weird thing right i have one bad idea like i would be very excited to play pinball games in virtual reality so you are you the ball or no no you're just playing pinball but it can be you know um it can be a pinball game with crazy things going on on the board Mm. um and the main thing is because one i think pinball's fascinating Mm -hmm. uh and it is a very particular strange type of game playing them on a screen sucks because you have such a limited field of view so either the camera is doing this like ridiculously fast panning to let the ball move up and down the table yep uh or you're playing at some weird skewed perspective that is if you were like three feet tall and just sort of yeah. looking across the or horizon like, of the of the board where the table is like split into segments yeah. and you just like yeah. smash to that new right. segment as soon as you enter it yeah i know what you're talking yeah, about yeah so you could have a pinball game where there's like little soldiers marching around on it or the ball could uh, acquire elemental abilities or you know whatever you want like reality yeah. bending yeah, features yeah. for pinball could take place mm. and it would be really cool that and would be really cool you wouldn't be wondering why can't i walk around because you know you don't really walk around very often when you're playing pinball. And you wouldn't be wondering, why can't I do stuff with my hands? Because the things you do with your hands are Smashing hitting paddles. these two buttons. And then yeah. I guess you could argue sometimes you got to nudge the table. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty solvable. But anyway, so right. that's one of my, my ideas. That would be a really cool application for augmented reality too. Like yeah. just a physical pinball machine where you've got a headset that you put on that yeah. is delivering 
you know, different information than that you would see otherwise. Yeah. What do we think of as kind of an optimal use for VR? Obviously, if, if we're being inventive and, and thinking about how it works in the classroom, mm-hmm. what does that look like to you besides, you know, the, <laughs> the dystopian cowled Yeah, yeah, yeah. Horde? Well, not very often you have to learn things via pinball, so that's probably not the, bur- the best first <laughs> avenue. Um, so what, is, what does VR get us, I guess, is maybe the question. Like, yeah. what does is, what is slapping on this headset get you? It right. gives you a fully immersed visual feedback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I would say what types of problems then match to that kind of input and output? Like what are the types of things that you need to learn and think about that are better facilitated through having some type of all-encompassing view? Sure. So I don't know. Some of the first things to think about are like you can do things like look at large areas of terrain and then be able to use a digital environment to do things like manipulate time. So mm. So you could probably make some really cool systems thinking, global ecology level games with VR. Mm -hmm. I don't think this is a dead end, but I think it's a spot where it's like the first intuition, but it might be more challenging is that these games suggest that they do a great job of putting you as an identity inside a space because your field of view is so much more literally immediate. Uh, So you'd think that your identity is then even more deeply projected, mm. right? Like, well, I'm in there. Right. And you do get that sensation, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm in here. I, the first time I tried it, I was playing Team Fortress 2, and I was just blown away by how immersed I was. And so mm-hmm. I, like, turned my head to tell my friends, like, this is incredible. But, yeah. of course, there was just more game behind me. Yeah. <laughs> right? That was, And, like, my brain was not ready for that. Yeah. My brain was like, oh, you know, because you're used to being able to just turn your head and talk to people around you. But, no. Nope. Right. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it definitely creates, you know, it, without a familiarity with it, there's definitely a high risk of cognitive dissonance yeah. in terms of your sensory input versus what you're processing. I know that, I don't know if this is specious or not, but I've read that the reason that you get nauseous is that your brain thinks it's hallucinating, which means it thinks it's been poisoned. Like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard that talking about inner ear effects, right? Okay. Where, your inner ear is telling you you're stationary, but your eyeballs are telling you that you're running around. Right. And then your brain's like, something is clearly wrong. Yeah. You should probably barf. <laughs> yes, exactly. Just in case. Jettison all cargo. Yeah, not unreasonable. <laughs> Thanks, body. Um, but, uh, oh yeah, so to go back to whether or not that immediacy really has a big payoff for uh, identity or practice-based games. Yeah. I'm not sure if it does, because usually when we're talking about learning games and identity and practice, we're trying to model how you think or how you approach problems Mm -hmm. or what you value. Right. And those don't necessarily tie to being able to look around in a place. Yeah, that's true. I think there's what you try to develop is the implied thought processes that go on when a, you know, if we're, if we're using an example, like a professional practice Mm-hmm. game um or or a professional identity there there are literacies that are within your behavior that we try to develop by putting like a decision tree in front mm-hmm. of the player right mm-hmm. 
Um, whereas, yeah, I, like for me, I've always found that the coolest thing about VR is that it just is really visceral. It, yeah. It, it actually will, like if you're on a roller coaster, it will make your stomach drop. Yeah. As when you go over the, the big, the big drop, which is mm-hmm. great because I live in fear of roller coasters and oh, interesting. I hate going on them. But as like a VR experience, like I can set aside the very strong survival impulse that oh really <laughs> that roller coasters kind of fly in the face of for me uh-huh. um so yeah like I'm, I'm able to enjoy the experience then interesting um but what that teaches me i don't i don't know really right. besides the fact that i'm a coward yeah interesting i think that is still a value though to mm-hmm. provide to the classroom is that you know we talk about how games are engaging mm-hmm. as a teaching tool and they're obviously much more than that but engagement is still incredibly important Mm-hmm. And I feel like VR is just a very engaging thing. It's super engaging. Yeah. It's true. I think there's going to be a whole flurry of experiments, not necessarily in classrooms, but with with home users about what are the things that are going to be impactful and what are the new experiences that are possible with VR. It'll probably really hit whenever the Rift drops by Two hundred dollars. Yes, there's <laughs> at I least think, for you. <laughs> yes, I just I don't know. I know you shouldn't use yourself as a standard for reason, right? But I'm just like I feel like there's got to be a lot of people like me being like, yeah, three four hundred dollars. This seems okay for. Uh, I mean, I know it's a fancy piece of hardware, right? I know it's no joke to make, but yeah. uh, I'd have to buy that four hundred dollar video card. So too. would I. Yeah, and that's you know which. I mean, my my machine can crank Skyrim, right? I can get oh yeah, I can get fancy Skyrim. Yep, same here. Uh, so the idea that my machine is going to choke out and die on the Rift, yeah, and I need to buy a new card is well, I haven't I haven't needed a new card since Skyrim, so I'm kind of like reluctant. I have I have another bad idea for VR. Oh man! Yeah, it's cranking up the yeah, non hits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and, I, and I'm willing to wager this has been done already. Right. Uh, but imagine, if you will, that you tied your Rift. You have some type of portable computing device. First off, so you got some backpack with a giant computer and gas generator in it, mm-hmm. and you're wearing your Rift, and you tie the Rift to Google Street View. So all you can see, you can see the street view world. Okay. But, you know, in order to actually move in street view, right, you have to like move a significant amount of steps before it like slides into the next place. Yeah. So that's you. You like, you have to like just take steps in the void and have the world not respond to your motion until you click into the next street view location. Well, it's like being inside of mist or yeah, something. Yes. Like the original yes, version. But you have to like, you have to walk. Advancing from static. And can yet. you imagine just walking and having your eyes for, uh, you know, 15 feet, just being like, Nope, Nope, oh. Nope. And then all of a sudden <laughs> the entire world is that like, shoop, slide that is a legitimately bad idea <laughs> right i mean i think i think you would i think it would basically uh it would ruin you i think it would ruin you i think you'd be on the ground yeah three vignettes in yeah and you are a broken man yeah oh, not man. only to mention that you can't you have no line of sight in other pedestrians or traffic or anything of the sort yeah so things are just appearing around you and then phasing out yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that does sound like a very alarming 
and yeah. terrible thing to experience. Yep. Although, you know what's funny is that if you get the Google Cardboard app, mm-hmm. that is in it effectively. Aha! Without the walking mechanic. Oh. But you are, essentially, it's, it's first-person street view. And because... I don't know if you've ever seen the Street View cars, but they have essentially an orb that sits atop mm-hmm, them mm-hmm. that takes a full 360-degree photo, um, and that's kind of what you're advancing through. So they've it's not like just dropping you into a random point. It's like curated, like well-shot areas I of see. Street View. All right, and they're not encouraged, and they... They do not hook it up with the ability to update you based on your GPS location. No, they do not. There's, <laughs> there's that is reasonable. <laughs> but be, well, so many people because, would die. Well, and there's like no strap for the car or the cardboard, so you'd be so holding be like... it on your hand <laughs> as you walk down the street. Oh, I love it. Seeing pictures of the street that you're actually on. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, we've definitely at, at Filament explored the idea of of training through mm-hmm. games, like mm-hmm. at, at, for adults, mm-hmm. right and I feel like VR is a really great way to be like, this is how you use a backhoe. Right. Or, <laughs> you know, this is how you dock a cruise liner. Right. Without actually causing millions of dollars of damage if you goof it up on your training session or whatever. Yeah, that's actually a great point um, that you could definitely use VR today for any type of in front of your face spatial reasoning driven tasks. So, handiwork uh or like uh, you know we did a, a prototype of welding at one point using uh vr yep and to me that's like a wonderful transfer right because the welding it was a lot of things about like distance of flame moving it at the correct you know rate over the metal mm-hmm. uh focusing on the bead like so like there's all these things that are like the combination of your hands and your eyes right uh creating a feedback loop and vr's going to be able to make successes with that pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, we we talk about this idea that games, they provide specific types of utility as Mm -hmm. a teaching tool. Mm -hmm. And two of the things that we've highlighted in the past um, is it mitigates danger and it mitigates expense. Yeah. For the classroom, that's obviously less of a concern. Mm -hmm. There's not very many dangerous or expensive things going on in a normal elementary classroom right right but with corporate training danger and expenses is a massive concern right you know um so yeah i think that's that's definitely an advantage Mm -hmm. of the immersive nature of the platform Wait. But once again. Yes. Oh. It's time, everyone, for Contronym Corner. Yeah. Model. Model? Model. Model? M O D E L? Yeah, model. This See, one. now Contronym Corner is our opportunity to explore contronyms and also cast aspersions <laughs> at, yeah. at bad contronyms. But I don't know. Here's, here's how it is defined an exemplar. Yes. Or a copy. It's pretty good. Yeah. I thought it was all right. So it's like, this is a model podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That all podcasts should aspire to. Right, yes. Or this is a... This is a model, a model segment. Of a podcast. Right, or <laughs> this is a one one to three scale. 
a podcast. Right, smaller, very much smaller. A podcast. One to three smaller, or is that three times larger? I don't know. That I mean, I know that contronyms aren't puzzles, but that stumped me. I was like, how is that true? But that was good. I like it. I think that's fair. So it can actually a model can be. It is the thing itself in its best possible form, or yeah, the opposite of the thing itself. A facsimile. A fabrication of yeah. it. All right. Beautiful. That is good stuff. Thanks for listening to the Film and Games Podcast. If you'd like to hear more about games, game-based learning, and well-informed, accurate observations about sports and such, subscribe today on Stitcher or iTunes. Stitcher or iTunes.